Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories, taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. After binging hours and hours of these readings from the subreddit, my mind is in a dark place, though I can't entirely blame it. My brain tends to head here often. My own personal story happened about seven years ago, but requires just a little bit of background. My best friend and I grew up in a sleepy, wannabe New Jersey, central Florida town, and were the outcasts. We had met in sixth grade when I'd overheard her talking to another classmate about Bionicles, my 11-year-old self's passion. We became fast friends, and soon were inseparable. Then began the gauntlet of sleepovers, birthday parties, and family gatherings. We were practically siblings. She was the first person I'd come out to as bisexual, and in turn, I was the first person she'd told about being trans. Her home life was tumultuous, though, and I can't say mine was any better. We often had a habit of taking refuge at each other's houses. Like I said, we had become like siblings. Her father was an alcoholic, strict and prone to physical discipline. Her sister was a stuck-up girl who soon gravitated towards the jocks when we entered high school. And her mother was a pseudo-vegan, hippie love child held over from the 80s. When I was 23, herself 22 at the time, we had another long night of sleeping over in order to let her escape yet another fight with her mother. She had recently lost her job at Walmart, and I was going in to my first shift at Taco Bell the next day. On the drive home the next morning, she excitedly told me that since she now had her own vehicle, she would be applying at pizza places that were in need of a driver. I was proud of her. It was the first time she'd hunted for a job on her own, as I'd usually been the one to coax her to apply where I was working. Not that she ever lasted very long. My first training day goes by quite well. My co-workers are friendly and try to get me to talk more. My manager likes to playfully embarrass me, a fat white guy, by trying to get me to talk hood to other workers. Being that it was a training day, it wasn't a very long shift. But I had been up early in anticipation, and this was my first day on the job in a few months. I got home around noon informed some of my internet friends that my first day had gone well, and around 5pm, I start to wind down, drained from a good day. As I'm preparing to lay down in my bed, I get a steam message. It's my friend, lamenting another fight with her mother, and asking if she could come over. Now, I had started to grow a bit weary of the fights on their end. I had begun to repair my relationship with my family, and a few friends, and I had given her advice many times on how to better approach things. In my infinite wisdom and eagerness to sleep, I left the message on red and drifted off into slumber. Around 8pm, I'm awakened by her bursting into my room in a panic. Having just been ripped from a dream, I'm groggy and disoriented. I drag myself to the bathroom to relieve my bladder and come back to the room to find her rocking back and forth on my bed. It's at this time I notice that she is covered in blood. So I asked what happened. She informs me that she just saw someone murder her mother with a knife. 
my mind goes absolutely blank. In the deepest parts of my mind, alarm bells start ringing. Isn't that rocking back and forth a bit overdramatic? Why didn't she call the police? But then again, this is my best friend. I've known her for over a decade now, and we were the only two people in the world that we could count on. I suppress my feelings and go inform my sister and stepfather. My mother had passed away the year prior, and it was roughly a month to the anniversary of her death. We were all in a dark place, antisocial as always. It was the only way we knew how to handle emotional issues. When I inform my family what had happened, they immediately go to the same place that I had, though they are far more vocal about it. I offer excuses I knew myself were flimsy and return to the room, phone in hand. I convinced her to call the police, and I can hear her explain the details over the phone, a story centering on a man in a black ski mask. When the cops arrive, she swears up and down that it's most likely her father. They send cars over to check the crime scene and take her in for a statement. I ride with her in the back of the cop car over to the sheriff's office, as she still seemed nearly inconsolable. It gets to be around 2 a.m. Her sister was brought in, as was her father. I have work the next morning and request to be taken home by a police officer. It takes me a while to get to sleep that morning, but as day breaks, I rise up and get ready for work and head in. I'm sitting there for most of the shift quietly when my manager asks, what's wrong? I inform him how I spent the last day, but decide to work the rest of my training shift. When I get home from work, my sister intercepts me before I have a chance to head to my room. I met with the most wild-eyed look that I've ever seen, and I just can't place it. Then, she says the two words that I don't think I'll ever be able to forget. She confessed. What I learned then is that my friend's mother had threatened to kick her out of the house if she couldn't find a job, and in a rage, she had taken a kitchen knife and stabbed her mother repeatedly. My mind froze like a Dell computer from the 90s, and I took my phone out. I was in a Discord call at the time, and all I could weakly say is, my best friend confessed to murdering her mother before hanging up and slamming down on my bed. Her trial started later that year, although it was something that I couldn't follow. I didn't have it in me to watch or support the person that I had once affectionately called my sister on trial for something so heinous. After it all wrapped up, my grandmother ultimately relayed to me that she had pled guilty and taken a deal for life in exchange for the death penalty coming off the table. Part of me wants to contest that because part of me believes that that is what she actually deserves, death, for ridding the earth of such a peaceful and caring woman's soul. But a larger part of me is just glad that she's being punished for her cruel and heartless act. Natalie, you are my best friend for a long time, my sister, and my platonic soulmate. But all that is just a distant memory now, and I pray that we never meet again. As an elementary school teacher for nearly 20 years, I've had my fair share of challenging students in my time, but there was one particular student, let's call him Timmy, that will always hold a spot in my memory. And once you've heard this story, 
you'll certainly understand why. Timmy was a quiet boy with a mop of unruly brown hair and big, innocent-looking eyes. He seemed like any other nine-year-old when he first entered my classroom. However, something about him struck me as unusual from the very beginning. It was as if he carried an air of darkness around him, a hidden uncertainty that I just couldn't imagine any nine-year-old having at that age. The first incident that raised alarm bells for me occurred during a quiet reading session. The classroom was nearly silent as students buried their noses in their books. But in the midst of this serene moment, I looked up and noticed Timmy staring at one of his classmates, Sarah, with a sinister expression upon his face. His eyes bore into her, cold and calculating. Sarah must have sensed his gaze upon her because she looked up and met Timmy's eyes. But she froze in place, with her face nearly draining of all color. I walked across the classroom to assess what was going on. Timmy blinked and quickly averted his gaze when he saw me approaching. Is everything okay here? I asked, trying to remain calm. Sarah nodded shakily, but her eyes were still affixed on Tommy, as if she'd seen something terrifying. I decided to let it go as an isolated incident, hoping that it was just a child's fleeting curiosity. But the next episode, I found even more unsettling. During a group activity, I caught Timmy whispering something into the ear of another student, Alex. I couldn't hear their conversation, but the look on Alex's face was enough to even give me chills. He seemed genuinely frightened at whatever Timmy had shared with him. When I approached them, Timmy stopped talking and abruptly flashed a fake, innocent smile. But Alex remained silent, looking downwards, too scared to speak up it would seem. I pulled Timmy aside after class and tried to talk to him about his behavior. He feigned ignorance though, claiming that he was just having a friendly chat with Alex. But his eyes, his eyes betrayed him, revealing that same sinister glint that he had had on his face when he was initially staring Sarah down. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was terribly wrong with Timmy. I reported my concerns to the school counselor, who assured me that they would look into it. But as the days passed, Timmy's behavior only grew more disturbing. He started drawing weird images in his notebooks, depicting violent scenes and menacing figures. One day during recess, I heard Timmy telling a story to a group of young boys that still resides in my head to this day. He described a scenario where he had complete control over someone, where he could control every action of theirs, every thought of theirs, where he could make them do whatever he wanted. But he didn't want to use this power for good. He expressed his desire to make his target fight, frighten, and do much worse things to other unsuspecting people. The children who listened to him were both fascinated and horrified, and it seemed as if they hung on to his every word. And this really unsettled me. I knew that I had to involve the school administration. They conducted a thorough investigation but they couldn't find any concrete evidence of wrongdoing. Timmy's parents were called in for a meeting, but they were just as baffled by their son's behavior as we were. They assured us that they would talk to Timmy about the seriousness of his actions and do their best to quell it. Well, years passed 
and I lost touch with Timmy after he moved on to middle school. But the memory of his disturbing behavior lingered in the back of my mind, like a shadow that refused to fade. When one evening, I'm watching the nightly news with my husband, and I happen to see a familiar face on the screen. It was Timmy, now a young adult, being led from a police car to the county jail. The news anchor reported that he had been arrested for a series of violent crimes, including assault, robbery, breaking and entering, and even allegations of torture. According to what was said, Timmy had developed a propensity for following people home from work or the grocery store, and as these people would innocently try to enter their homes, Timmy would approach them from behind and force his way in as well. Oftentimes, brutalizing and tying up these random people. It was actually one of his victims that led to him being caught. A young woman who had been surprised by Timmy waiting for her in her living room, fought tooth and nail to prevent him from tying her up and doing whatever it was that he had planned. When she was able to escape from her apartment, she flagged down the first motorist she found, and that happened to be an off-duty police officer. He was able to track down Timmy basically at the scene, finding duct tape, zip ties, gloves, and a six-inch hunting knife on him. My heart sank as I realized that the darkness I had sensed in him as a child had evolved into something far more malicious now. The news story sent shockwaves through our small community. People struggled to reconcile the quiet, innocent-looking boy that they had known with the criminal that he had become. It was a stark reminder that sometimes the most unsettling behaviors in children can foreshadow something much more sinister in the future. As I watched Timmy being led away, I couldn't help but wonder if there was something more that we could have done back in elementary school to intervene and help him. It was a chilling lesson in the unsettling truth that some stories are best left untold, and some encounters are better left unremembered. I currently work at a restaurant somewhere in the Midwest. Now, obviously, I can't say what restaurant, but it's on a pretty busy road with lots of cars and lots of people walking on the road to get to the bus stop or whatever their destination may be. The restaurant has its own parking lot, where I usually will park closer to the doors. But the story I'm about to tell you is the one time that I didn't. And that night, I sincerely regret my actions. To give some backstory, a couple of years ago, I just so happened to work at the sports bar grill directly across the parking lot from my current job. I worked there for almost four months, and I have plenty of interesting stories about that place, but that's for another post. Anyway, while I worked at my previous job, I didn't have a car, so I either walked to and from work, or I got a ride. Now mind you, I would walk home at around 10pm some nights, on a barely lit road where there weren't always cars driving by. This naturally made me wary, and this was on top of the fact that older men would constantly hit on me as a minor and make me feel ever watched. This backstory of my old job might not seem important at the moment, and I didn't think it would ever become relevant again, but it matters in the end, I promise. While working at my old job, I was a minor as previously stated, but that never stopped drunken men from approaching me and being inappropriate. There was one man in particular who I never forgot about, 
and who came back to haunt me in just about the worst way possible. The man was taller, quite good-looking, and always wore expensive-looking clothing and accessories. He had a very elegant vibe to him, which is why I didn't feel uncomfortable when he would talk to me while I was working. He started out very polite, asking about how work was going, how my day was, stuff like that. But as the weeks went on, he would ask more and more personal questions, which began to make me just a little bit suspicious of him. The event that occurred right before I quit was a night that I wish I could forget when thinking back on my days at that sports bar. I remember it being a long night, probably because it was a sports season and our restaurant would get very busy. And as a hostess, it was stressful trying to take calls when there was shouting because the hockey team won a golden cup or whatever it is they win. That night, after I'd finished cleaning the bathrooms, I remember him being at the hostess stand waiting for me. I approached him and tried to make polite conversation, but I could tell immediately that he was acting strange. His gaze was shifty, and he didn't look as put together as he normally did. The first thing he said to me was something along the lines of, you're only 16, right? To which I confirmed. And he continued with something like, well, when you're 18, I'll have something for you. It'll be a surprise. Just wait till you're 18 and he promptly left through the bar section of the grill. I stood there shocked for a moment before composing myself and finishing off my cleaning so that I could get the hell out of there. After I finished counting my drawer out, I went out back and unlocked the bike that I had gotten a month or so after I started working there and began my ride home. Note that I was paranoid as hell as I was doing this because seriously, who the fuck says that to an underage girl? I watched my back all night as I rode home and felt watched pretty much the entire time. It was kind of my fault he knew my age. I had told him long ago as I mentioned something about birthday plans, but his comment on my age made me feel sick to my stomach regardless. Now let's jump to more recently when I started my new job just across the parking lot. It's been years since I worked there and I had just about let go of the memories of working at that godforsaken sports bar but something happened recently that made the memories feel like yesterday. At the time, stimulus checks and nice weather had brought out a surge of customers to my current restaurant. I've worked here for almost a year now, and we have been busier in the past month than we've been since I first started. This means that occasionally, I don't get to park right by the front doors, and I end up parking a bit further away. On this particular day, that still makes me feel nervous thinking about it, I had to park basically at the farthest corner of our lot due to a large amount of staff and customers taking the closer spots. That day, I thought nothing of it as I went in for my closing shift and worked a long and stressful set of hours until about 10 p.m. I work at the front of the restaurant and our closing duties can be pretty grueling. That night was especially bad because I was the only one up front besides the manager who has to go back and forth between kitchen and front to help. I finished all of my cleaning, albeit a bit later than usual, and felt bad for taking so long, but they weren't too upset because a coworker of mine was waiting on a ride, so management had to wait for a bit anyway. So with that, I say my goodbyes for the night to the two of them and head out the back door to my car. I immediately was irritated that I had to walk so far to get to it, and I started digging in my bag for keys. 
I didn't realize that there was a third car in our parking lot until it was almost too late. I finally got my keys out of my bag after a moment of struggling to find them and realized that the third car is in fact not my manager and it was parked right next to mine. Upon getting closer, I realized there's a person inside. So I remember thinking to myself, is that my coworker's ride? But no one came out to go home, so I assumed not. I looked back closer to the restaurant and realized that in front of the building, where I couldn't see before as I left out the back, my manager's car was sitting empty right up front. All of these thoughts were piecing together as I slowly trailed to my car. And after connecting the dots, I tried to see who was in the car waiting right next to mine. I remember squinting at them. And that's probably what made them realize that I had noticed them. And with that, they turned on their car. Immediately, I looked away because the car lights were too bright. And when I tried to look back again, the cabin light was turned on. I stopped dead in my tracks as if I were paralyzed. Now, just telling this is starting to make my eyes tear up for some reason, but the expression that this man was wearing invokes so much fear, I think my heart quite literally skipped a beat. The man's features were a bit blurry with the distance and darkness, but I could tell that he knew me from somewhere with that little overhead light illuminating his face. The lack of facial expression is what really made me scared shitless, because I figured that he would smile, frown, wave, do something. But instead, he sat there, arms at his sides, as he just waited for me to come closer. Now, as a young woman, I should know better than to ignore my instincts telling me to get the hell out of there. But for one split second, I almost felt compelled to continue towards my car. I can't explain why, but I distinctly recall taking one step forward before pausing, asking myself, what the fuck am I doing? and then hightailing it back to the restaurant. I felt like I was prey about to be eaten, the way that I sensed his overwhelming presence just mere feet behind me. The whole time, I debated going back and then running to safety, but he just sat in his seat and didn't move an inch. Or so I assume, because I didn't look back until I reached the door. I glanced back at his car for a split second as I was dashing inside and all I remember seeing was his cabin light had been turned off, and I could only see a dark figure in the driver's seat. That menacing light no longer illuminated his face. I didn't need to see his face to know that he was still staring. I could feel his eyes boring right into me. After scaring the hell out of my coworkers by yanking open the back door as I did, I explained what had happened. They both immediately got serious, and told me to wait with them while they waited for my other worker's ride. We sat for a few more minutes. They talked about how freaky that situation was, and how they'd call the cops if he was still there when we went outside together. I just sat in silence. I was silent because in the few minutes after the encounter with that strange man, I knew that I recognized him from somewhere. He was the same guy who had told me to wait for him when I turned 18. It took me a while because he didn't look like he used to, he looked much more ragged, a bit older, and much, much scarier. I don't know if he saw me that day as I brought out the trash or maybe when I walked into work, but he knew that I was there somehow, and that scared the shit out of me. 
When their ride finally arrived, we all walked out together, and my eyes instantly shot to the area where I knew his car was parked. But it was just my car, though, waiting for me to climb inside and get home ASAP. The manager saw my coworker off into their parents' car and then walked me to mine. She helped me check under my car and inside, as apparently she had dealt with a stalker before and knew all of the tricks to stay safe. I thanked her profusely and got in, locking my doors immediately. I watched her as she walked to her car and began to leave the lot. I looked frantically to see if I could spot his car anywhere in the shopping area that connected with our parking lot, but found nothing. I lived close by my work, so I took a long way home that night, fearing that he was waiting for me to go home, maybe to do something sinister. Needless to say, I didn't sleep well that night, as I kept thinking that he was in the darkest corner of my room with that hollow expression on his face. I considered making a police report, but seeing as the police tend to be useless in scenarios such as this, and I literally only had a first name, which could have been fake, I decided against it. The weeks after this occurrence, I hadn't seen or heard from him, but I still think about him every time I leave the building, half expecting him to be either standing outside ready to snatch me or parked right next to my car. Now, I always leave with my coworkers as my parents insisted I begin doing after I told them about what had happened. Even now, I still wonder why he remembered that I was 18, because I had almost completely forgotten him. And now, I hope that I never do find out what surprise he had waiting for me. All in all, I definitely think I've earned the right to say this. Creepy man, whose name may or may not have been Michael, let's not meet. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.